It's your old pal, the Crypt Keeper. Tonight's tale of terror comes from the Trick or Treaters podcast. Join them as they journey into the horrifying unknown. <laughs> you are listening to the Trick or Treaters podcast, part of the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Movie reviews, horror news, and all the gory details. Listen if you dare. And hello everyone and welcome to episode 28 of the Trick or Treaters podcast. I am your host Kyle and as always I am joined by my wonderful co-host JR. Uh, JR, how are you doing today buddy? I'm doing well as we are recording on Tuesday, April 20th. Um... For a 20 day, everybody takes that for what it will. But that's, um, <laughs> plenty of funny memes today online. So, uh, especially as you and I are wrestling fans, a lot of Rob Van Dam analogies and memes and gifs out there in the world of social media. Um, it's also a very crazy day, personally. Um, I've tried to do math in my head. Um, this is always an interesting day because now, 17 years ago today, was when my grandfather passed away. So, it's always, to me, it's always kind of like when someone mentions 420, I was like, ah, yeah, I know, it's funny, haha. But personally, you know, the, you know, I have a, a emotional, a little bit of emotional day. Um, and then also, I'm, as the rest of the world uh, was kind of on pins and needles, um, today was the the verdict was read in the George Floyd, Derek Shavner. Uh, Minnesota case and it was just a very um, emotional day for America you, you know you've seen a lot of people um, comment and post about it and it was very for, for me it was very reminiscent of everything from um, the Trayvon Martin case to the uh, O.J. Simpson case when I was little, and um, I was literally at a store uh, picking up uh, some food, and there was a TV on, and I literally stopped to hear the verdict because it was something where um, you knew it was going to be a very, um, whatever happened was going to be a very emotional day for um, us here in the United States because of the, you know, horrendous death of George Floyd that occurred last year so. Um, it just was, it's a very, just, um, 420 is just a very infamous day. I mean, there's a lot, you know, everything from Adolf Hitler's birthday, the tragedy of Columbine over 20 years ago occurred on this day too. So it's just a very, um, just like I said, very ominous date in history. Yeah, I was, uh, I was happy to, to hear that that guilty verdict earlier it's about it's about time that you know somebody gets held accountable for this shit yeah i mean it was i for me it's i just thought about his family and i remember you know hearing a video of his little girl from last year with during the 
you know, protest and um, no matter no matter how you look at it, at the end of the day, a, a little girl has to grow up without a father. That to me is that there's no justice for that. You know, no matter no matter what, I, that's that's the part that hit me hard was you know a, a daughter growing up without her father and uh, you know that uh, person um, who was found guilty of murder could serve you know, three consecutive life sentences and it's never going to replace the life of George Floyd and that, and the father of that little girl. And that was a hard part for me looking back at all of this. And, um, you know, it's still not over because, you know, when I sat there and listened to everything the judge said, they still have another two months before they even sentence, uh, that, um, that person, um, the cop who, who murdered George Floyd. So that's, that to me is a crazy thing is that, you know, we still have to wait another two weeks before they even sentence him to really find out how much time he's going to serve in, in a prison in Minnesota. Yeah. It's, that's pretty fucking crazy that you have to wait that long for a verdict for, for, for a sentence and everything. So, you know, it's just, you know, one step, it's you know one small step but like so there's as everybody said this is just um there's really nothing to celebrate somebody had somebody comment on twitter which is true i mean there's really nothing to celebrate because you know at the end of the day there's still a man died for no reason and there's still a lot of work that has to be done with police reform and um you know holding um and i, and I just call it what i see it it's not that they're they're thugs with badges and you know they hide behind a badge. And that's not saying all police officers. And I'll make this statement right now on behalf of myself. And I know we're you know maybe it's controversial on you here. You know I have there's police officers I know that I love dearly. They're good friends of mine. They're honest cops. And unfortunately, just like in every profession, there's some thugs that who hide behind the badge. And that's what that guy was. He was a thug. He was a thug hiding behind the badge and abused his power and killed a man for no reason. And there's been unfortunately, you know, incidents that occurred before George Floyd. And I remember going back to, uh, this is going back to, I remember being a kid when um, Rodney King happened to even now, I mean, just a few weeks ago, there was another case outside of Minneapolis where uh, a person was killed by police for, from what I read, for no reason. And there's, and it continues to happen and until there's um, universal police reform and holding, you know, police officers, you know, these thugs who hide behind a badge accountable, um, you know, that's when justice really will be, you know, dealt with. And I, and if you, you know, for those police officers and you'll hear everything from the blue wall of science and all that stuff, as somebody who, you know, studied criminal justice and who supports, you know, good cops, you know, they should not be defending those type of people like the guy who killed George Floyd because, they don't represent, you know, the on, honest to goodness, hardworking, uh, you know, men and women who, who are police officers. And so that's, that's to me is somebody that needs to be held accountable and, uh, and, you know, pay the price for abusing their power. And in this unfortunate situation, a man died. And there's been plenty of other situations where men and women have died because of abuse of power. And like I said, even, you know, I personally, you know, work in education and we deal with that, you know, with people abuse their power and they have to be, you know, dealt accordingly with the difference is that, well, 
what happens in education, you know, a person's life isn't on the line. And that's why it's even more important to make sure that things are done to, um, you know, to hold, you know, people who abuse their power accountable, because these are people that we, you know, that are hired to serve and protect us as citizens, and they shouldn't be able to abuse their power because we, you know, you know, we entrust them with a badge and a firearm, and they're the only ones who, if we really think about it, as we used to say this and while I was taking criminal justice classes, they're the, we're the only ones who are legally, you know, capable of taking someone's life. And that's pretty powerful when you think of it. And that's why it's important that, you know, we get this right. And, you know, and mistakes are not, should not be allowed. As why you know, and that's the thing is that we talk about this day of 420. It's just, a, it's just a very, it's, it's a very interesting, twisted, um, ominous day because there's just so much stuff that has happened on this day throughout the history of time. Yep. Yeah, uh, well said, my brother. Couldn't have said it better, better myself. Uh, I just recently uh, got my final shot of the of the Moderna vaccine, and uh, I'm on my first day uh, after after I got it yesterday, and I'm actually doing pretty pretty well. I'm uh, I don't feel sick or anything, and Besides a bit of a sore arm, that's really all I've had. And I'm, I'm really happy uh, happy about that because I was prepared to pretty much just lay in bed all day and be sick. Yeah, you know, we talked about it last week when I, you know, as I returned back to the podcast due to, you know, my personal situation. And I got it. I was out of commission for about two days. Um, you know, my wife had some swollen of her arm and... Um, you know, just everybody, everybody um, faces different, you know, side effects. Some people face side effects, some people don't face side effects. It's very, you know, at the end of the day, it's similar as I think I'm sure I mentioned in the previous podcasts. Anything that we take, you know, from Tylenol to Advil to Relieve to, you know, a flu shot, a tetanus shot, and now, you know, this COVID vaccine, you, you really don't know what's going to happen until you, you take the shot because you don't know how your body reacts to it. And, you know, unfortunately we've seen, you know, with, there was, you know, millions of doses of the Johnson Johnson, you know, one dose shot that was given out. And from, from what I've seen, less than a dozen had unfortunately suffered blood clots, which led to, you know, the unfortunate death of one person. And, um, you know, it can happen to anybody, and it's just the most important thing is that when it, when those things happen, is that we find out is this a one in a million phenomenon, unfortunate phenomenon, I should say, because we had an unfortunate death, or is this something that needs to be dealt with? And uh, from what I've read and seen, um, it was a unfortunate, you know, one in a million type situation. And you think about it, I mean, we all watch TV, and how many times you hear TV shows, you, you know, you know TV shows, like, some new drug, and you hear all those side effects from that drug when they talk, talk to you about it. You know, everything from 
Cialis to uh, eczema cream to, you know, I've seen HIV, you know, medication, you know, there's so much stuff and everything has side effects and you really don't know. And, you know, like, for example, my wife, she's allergic to Tylenol. She cannot take Tylenol. And so it's just one of those things where you don't know until you take it and see what happens. It's very similar to food allergies. You, you know, you don't know if a, a, if a, you're allergic to peanuts until the first time you eat a peanut and your throat seizes up. And I tell people all the time, you know, just go look at the polio vaccine. Go look at the measles vaccine and see how quickly those things were developed during a time with less technology than we have today. You know, we didn't have billions of dollars of technology and research and the greatest minds working on how to and how on how to solve a global pandemic. And I know we like to, you know, us as America, you know, sometimes see us as the center of the universe. But when you think about it, you know, this isn't just an American issue. This is a, a global issue. I mean, all of Europe, all of Asia, Canada, South America, Mexico, every every country dealing with this and other countries, you know, I feel like we're fortunate because we've, because of the government we live in has invested billions of dollars to get a vaccine out as soon as possible was and this is like as i mentioned before now it's not this podcast i know i mentioned it personally this is a variant COVID 19 is a variant of sars the sars uh virus that's been around uh for a lot longer and especially in asia and it's an unfortunate more deadly version of sars and so there's been information out there about this and you know we are essentially do everything we can to get everybody vaccinated to, you know, open up our country. But there's plenty of other, I mean, dozens and dozens of countries who are so far behind than we're at right now. I mean, I was reading about Ireland, like they just got to like vaccinating people. They're just vaccinating people that are like over the age of 60 currently. And in a lot of states by May, everybody over the age of 16 is going to be able to get a vaccine here in the United States. So, I mean, that shows like, you know, because we are very aggressive and spending billions of dollars as a government in the U.S. to reopen up the economy and get people the vaccines they need. So basically, essentially by, you know, the end of summer, anybody who wants a vaccine should have no excuse to get a vaccine. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where it's important because, you know, it's something we're going to be dealing with just like we deal with, um you know, we deal with everything else from the flu to measles every year. And you've got to make, you make sure you get vaccinated so that way you're protected and, you know, everybody else is protected. And, you know, I know people draw it. The comparison to the flu is you're going to end up getting a shot every single year. I mean, pretty much all the doctors have already said that. The difference between the flu, though, is that this is more deadly than the flu. I mean, if you look at how many people have died in the flu season compared, you know, to the first six months of the COVID, of the coronavirus, you know, it's night and day. It's not even close. There's been, unfortunately, way more deaths with the coronavirus. That's why it's more important because of how it can attack your body differently than a flu. And that, unfortunately, I know from experience because, you know, we've had three, three deaths in our family because of coronavirus that, in a normal flu season, if there was just a flu, they, you know, they wouldn't have passed. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just happy that, uh, more and more people are, are being eligible now. Like, I, right. Like you said, uh, right now in the U S uh, 
every adult in the U.S. is eligible, and I think that's great, and I hope that everybody who wants to get the vaccine uh, will go and get it, and hopefully some of the ones who don't want to get it maybe can can change their mind later on, but, you know. Yeah, it was, it was interesting some people today. Don't. Yeah. I would say it was interesting today. I was reading, you know, Ted Nugent, who is a former rock and roll star and um, – from my understanding, is very conservative, is, you know, very pro-firearms, thought that coronavirus was a scam. And he recently had come out so that he was diagnosed with coronavirus. And he, you know, admitted that it wasn't a scam, that he legitimately thought he was going to die. Um, and, you know, saying, you know, for people take it serious. And I had just read that this morning. So... I mean, it shows that, you know, people who at one point thought it was a scam um, for a number of reasons, you know, that it's not. And it's, you know, hey, you need to take this serious. And that's what it is. And the reason is, is that, as I tell everybody, everybody, you know, who gets, you don't know how your body is going to react to it and um, with the coronavirus and you know, I had my 86-year-old grandmother got COVID and survived. And I had an aunt who's over 50 who was a cancer survivor and survived. And then I had a 51-year-old uncle who, you know, I thought was as strong as Hercules and unfortunate and because of complications passed away. So that that's the thing is that you really don't know and how it will potentially affect you i mean you hear you hear stories of 20 year old college athletes who are the peak you know in peak prime conditioning who get who had got coronavirus and for some reason it affected their system to the point where they had to retire from from competition because how it affected their their lungs and heart that's 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 the scary thing is that you would think they're the ones who are gonna that oh they would get in there be fine because they're being conditioned. Yeah, it's 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 scary, man. But uh, it looks with vaccines and everything, it it's, it seems like we'll, we're on the right track and hopefully we'll be getting out of this as soon as we can. But uh. But uh, let's all put let's put that all that talk all to the side now. I know everybody's not here for that. Everybody's here for us to talk about horror movies. And today we are talking about Jason X. Uh, how about go ahead and let me know? I guess just a little bit of how you feel about this. Maybe before you watch this, the first time you watch this, and etc. Wow, you know, um, Jason X came out right around when I was a. I'm trying to remember. It was seventh or eighth grade. I was middle school. I had just got back into horror, as um, with uh, previously about a year earlier, a year or two earlier, with uh, Bride of Chucky and Halloween H two O, and um, I had just started watching this you know going back old school on vhs you know jason goes to hell jason takes manhattan um that was 
you know, Friday 13th was one of the first series I, I remember watching, you know, almost all of them because um, as we, in our first episode, we talked about our history. Uh, during Halloween, they released all the VHSs for like $5 at, the, at a local grocery store. So I bought them all to watch them. And um, it was just, it was very interesting because Jace, Jason Voorhees was the Camp Crystal Lake you know, hockey mask wearing, machete carrying killer who killed counselors. And all of a sudden, you know, in the year 2050 something uh, is in outer space going after teenagers on a spaceship with advanced technology and androids and 3D simulation video games just very weird um concept and you know looking back and it was interesting um a few weeks ago i had sent this i saw it online and i on twitter that was trending i dm'd you that jason x was trending for no reason and it was because somebody had commented is jace is a movie like Jason X, is it a horror film or is it a sci-fi film? And it was a debate because they're saying as it, because it took place in outer space, it's considered sci-fi, similar to like the movie Aliens. And um, it, it was it brought up a lot of debate about it. And I don't know, it was kind of interesting. It's like, is this movie a horror film or is it a sci-fi film? Because there is sci-fi elements in Jason X, but it's also, you know, it's a, it's a slasher film. So... It's um, it's, it's a very just cheesy, weird, but pretty cool film. Yeah, it, what I've what I've noticed is this film is either one side or the other side. There's really no in between when it comes to this film. It, either fans really like it, or fans absolutely hate it, and there's really not much of an in between uh, from what I've seen. Uh. I really enjoy this one a lot. Uh, it, it's not, you know, necessarily one of my favorites in the film, and it's it's by no means a good film, but it's one of those. It's so bad, it's good in a way. And to me, what I love about it the most is that it doesn't take itself seriously. It knows what it is and doesn't stray away from that or try to pretend like it's not what it is. It can't be, you know, horror movie in space. It, it, you know, it's, it's just a fun film that you can, you can put on and enjoy. Yeah. I mean, and, and what makes this film, uh, I believe enjoyable is the first thing is obviously Kane Hodder as Jason. This is would be his if I'm doing my math correctly in my head, which I think I am. This is his third and final incarnation, or is it his fourth? I believe it's his fourth because he did Jason takes my hat and Jason goes to hell. This one and then he did yeah. the Jason it... Seven. Yeah, yeah, he did seven, eight, nine in this. This is so, this is Kane Hodder's final film as Jason, unfortunately. So this was his fourth and final film. So you know, obviously, when this came out, the nostalgia of him being Jason for four films in a row um, is there. I 
personally like the character of Rowan, uh, played by Alexa, I'll say Alexa D, because I can't say her last name correctly. Later, I enjoyed her in a smaller role in the um, the TV show Arrow. Um, she plays Talia Agul in that one. Oh, is that um, who played Talia? Yes. Okay, so, so I didn't recognize her. And from what I read, what I'm reading as I'm looking, oh, she's also another Netflix uh, show uh, called Virgin River. She uh, has a, a role in that that I also enjoy her in. And I also see that as I looked up her information, um, she has a role in the upcoming sci-fi series, Chucky. In addition to that, I also like the character played by Peter um, Mensa, who plays uh, the Sergeant Brodsky, who I just think is kind of like a badass. And I remember seeing him in a short-lived TV show called um, Midnight Texas. And so those, you know, those two characters I thought were the more interesting one. Everybody else is, which makes this film, you know, this not a good film is a, let's just be honest, the shitty acting, you know, fill in your, fill in your blank, teenage, you know, soon to be dead meat is going, is, uh, is everybody else in this role. You know, they're, they're all going to essentially die. And that's who all the other characters are. You could replace them with, then with you know you go to any local high school you're gonna find seven kids that are hey you want to be in the movie because you're gonna die in 30 seconds that's pretty much everybody else's um yeah that's what i heard basically uh besides kane and uh who you said and a, a, a few other uh, like a couple other people most everybody else in the cast are just local canadian actors because it was uh it was more it, it was cheaper to just hire local Canadian actors to fly American actors in to doing the, the movie in Canada. And I'm legitimately just shit talking right now, but the fact that I was just shit talking and how I basically just hit the nail on the head, just showed the point. And it's one of those, it's the unfortunate common thing for a lot of horror films um, that you get to a situation where it has a following and you know, you're going to probably make your money back um, either at the, if not the box office with video release. And so you can just pretty much cast whoever you want because people are there to see Jason and Jason kill teenagers. So it didn't matter if I was in there playing a teenager, you know, people are going to pay to see it because they're not paying to see the characters. They're paying to see Jason Voorhees. And so um, with that said, though, I, you know, it does have some very interesting dynamics, like as I mentioned earlier, with the sci-fi elements, with the fact that it occurs in outer space, and you know how do these characters um, go after Jason? And some there's a few interesting kills uh, in this film as well that I love to talk about. Oh yeah, this this movie has probably uh, when we get to it, we'll talk about it more, but this movie has arguably one of the franchise's uh, best kills that a lot of people put on their list of their favorites of the entire franchise. But uh, he'll get to that when we actually get into the review. Uh, I guess I'll go ahead and uh, just go straight into it. Uh, And uh, like I said before, we're talking about Jason X. Hit the trailer. 
know, we eat 200 people and simply disappear. What was that? In the darkness of space, he's here. There's nowhere to run. Now, what the hell is going on? Jason Voorhees. The face of evil is back. Uh oh. Jason X, rated R. I don't think he's out there. Why don't you just stick your head out and have a peek? Alright, so Jason X was released on April 26, 2002 in the United States and November 2001 in Spain. It actually, like, uh, it's weird. Jason X was filmed, and for two years, it just kind of sat around on the shelves. It was stuck in the developmental hell for forever uh, until they finally released it, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I think it uh, it leaked online on like uh, the pirating sites, and so many and like it was like one of the most downloaded movies on on those sites for a while uh, b- before it was ever released. Uh, it was directed by Jim Isaac, produced by Noel Cunningham, written by Todd Farmer, who Todd Farmer also plays the character Dallas in the movie. <laughs> Pitch is great. And, uh, you know, it stars, of course, Kane Hodder. And it has a runtime of 92 minutes. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a real easy movie to get through. And JR's favorite part it, it had a budget of 11 to $14 million and it made a box office total of $16.9 million. It, it, it actually, while it wasn't quite as successful in the box office it actually made like so much more money back uh on dvd sales and uh, and stuff like that yeah i mean that was one of the things i mentioned earlier is that i guess your best scenario is that if you release it is that you would break even at the box office but you're more likely going to make a very significant amount of money um that would essentially double your budget with home video at the time, home video rentals, whether people go to local blockbuster to rent it or sells, you know, for people who are collectors and who enjoy the character of Jason Voorhees. And that's where, you know, you basically find why spend so much money, you know, finding actors and actresses who are, um, you know, named, I'll just throw somebody out there because I'm trying to think of eight-year-old me watching movies. But let's say, for example, you know, like Natalie Portman, who is in the middle of filming Star Wars, you know, the prequel. Why would you cast her as the lead character of Rowan, of Rowan played by Alexa D, when people are not paying to see Natalie Portman, they're paying to see Jason Voorhees. With all due respect to Natalie Portman, I love her to death. I think she is amazing uh, to this day. Um, but that's that's why they take that significant amount of money out of your budget and focus it on other parts because you're gonna make that double your budget with those releases. Which I would love to see how that works in today's society um, with us doing basically everything streaming online. Um, those those numbers aren't really readily available like you would see from back in the day as as we recovered so many films like trimmers and you know nightmare on elm street and 
uh, Friday the 13th and Text Chainsaw Massacre and all the other films we've covered, you know, home video releases, a lot of information was more readily available. I would love to see how things are sold on um, like Voodoo or Amazon Prime Video or uh, Fandango and things of that nature. Oh yeah, that'll be that would be very interesting to see see those stats on that. Oh, uh, it, it's funny like this movie. This movie was literally only made because uh, J- uh, Freddy versus Jason was was basically you know was stuck in developmental hell for a while, and they were trying to just figure out what to do while they waited for everything to work out for that movie to start. And uh, Todd, uh, Todd Farmer, the the person who wrote this the the movie, he actually came up with the idea of just sending Jason into space, and it, it actually it was brought up in like a meeting, of what they were trying to do, of trying to figure out where they should go next, it, it, uh, if, if uh, since they wanted to do another Jason movie before, while they waited for Freddy versus Jason, and uh, they brought up the idea of him sending him to space as just a joke. But then they couldn't figure out anything else to top it, so then they just went with it. <laughs> That's the yeah. I, I think I read the line, um, and I could be wrong, but when when it was trending, it was just thrown out like, "Well, there's nothing else for him to do except go to outer space," and it just stuck. And it's like you know when you look at how many times he was you know in Crab Crystal Lake, he went to Manhattan. Um, he faced the psychic. Um, they even did a part where, you know, you know, in the original, his mom was a killer. And then the the new beginning, I think it was called, um, you had a, a copycat killer. I mean, they're kind of right. I mean, until you do Freddy versus Jason, you know, there really wasn't anything else to do besides him go to space. I mean, the only thing would be is, you know, Jason took California. Jason goes to Malibu. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I mean, Jason goes Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of anything else. I mean, it was it had to if because it gets how many times can you be repetitive? I mean, you have to get to a point where something becomes different. I mean, if you look at if you look at for example, um. Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween, you know, essentially there's different elements that kind of progresses it for better or for worse. But with, you know, Jason, it's from two to three. Um, and even Jason lives, it's kind of very similar. So it's like something has to change. And like I said, for better or for worse, you know, they went to space. It, it was also kind of like very reminiscent, um, I don't know what came first, this one or Leopard or Leprechaun, Leprechaun Four in space. It was like, what else is he supposed to do? He went to Vegas. Might as well go to space. And it's like, well, you know, Jason went to New York. Where else was he supposed to go? Fuck it, send him to space. Yeah, uh, it was an interesting concept, and I mean, I feel like they did. They did pretty decent with it. The, 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 there's a there's a there, there's some gripes I have with this movie. Like I said, it's not by any means a good movie, but it just it, it knows what it is and it doesn't try and stray away from that, which I, I appreciate. And it just it's just a fun, campy, 
movie that you can just put on and enjoy. But uh, it's weird too. It also uh, the, the timeline's a little screwy. If I'm not mistaken, this takes place after Freddy versus Jason uh, in the whole franchise timeline. Yes, technically, from the beginning before he goes, you know, to I think he goes into the year twenty forty. He get, 20, the two thousand four fifty five. Yeah, twenty four fifty five. Yeah, the, the opening start, takes place in in two thousand ten, and then later on it's is twenty four fifty five. Yes, I, for some reason I cannot say that year. It took me eighteen tries to, to try to say twenty four fifty five, but. Yeah, I mean, if you think of Jason, Jason versus Freddy, uh, occurs around two thousand and three, two thousand and four. This film is it technically set in the very beginning, two thousand eight, two thousand and nine. He's they've um, tried multiple times to kill him, and they're like they're gonna cryogenically freeze him, and you know then somehow ends up in the year twenty four fifty five, which we'll get to in a minute. But yeah, I mean, I think that was the one thing that. It does seem far-fetched. It's like, oh my god, he ends. How does he end up in space five hundred years into the future? But at the same time, like, if you like, if you think about, I'm trying to off the top of my head, like aliens, for example, like aliens takes parts like really far into the future. I mean, which if it occurred like right now, like in space, it it probably would be a dull film. The fact that it occurred into the future and you could put like futuristic, you know firearms and futuristic androids into it like it technically adds like some pretty cool pretty interesting elements into it oh yeah it's a very interesting element uh so uh let's talk about the opening of this so it is 2010 and jason has been captured by the united states government and he's being held at this place called the crystal lake research facility and after you know numerous attempts to kill jason over the last two years the government scientist rowan she suggests to put him in cryogenic stasis dr wimmer who is actually uh played by uh cronenberg uh he uh and Sergeant Marcus, uh, they arrive with their team, and they're hoping to kind of do more research on Jason's ability to heal and and his ability to heal and re- regenerate because they kind of uh, they think that they can replicate that and use it for like uh, for, for some of their soldiers. And uh, it's weird that they have like like this one guy watching Jason. He's giving Jason like this, Jason's giving him this dirtiest look <laughs> and, and and they're staring each other down and then he finally walks over and like puts a blanket on him uh, to cover his uh, cover his face up. I, I will say though, like though, I absolutely don't like the design of Jason in this form of before he becomes Uber Jason. It just looks like a really bad cosplay to me. I don't know what they were thinking. I think they could have done a way better Jason design here, but uh, uh, it's it, after he puts the blanket on him and everything. It's funny later on, the, the uh, 
Dr. Wimmer and uh, and Sergeant Marcus and some of the other soldiers and and Rowan all walk in, or uh, uh, not Rowan, but all the, they do, and they want to see the they want to said they want to see the specimen, which is you know Jason, and they take the sheet off of them, and it's actually the guard who was watching them is hanging up there, and I want to know how the hell he pulled that off because. He looked pretty chained up and everything. I don't know how the hell he got out of that without even, without that guard even noticing him getting off there. It was it was it was it was a crazy heel. Yeah, I mean, part of it looks like you, you know, when you go through the opening sequence because he begins to kill all the guards. It looks like that he ripped the chains off, but at the same time, it's like he's been chained up for two years. All of a sudden, he can rip the chains off now. Um, I think he may they may have had him like in some sort of like prison jumpsuit. And I'll just say this. They said they've attempted every single way to kill Jason. That's not true. I would have used the old school, you know, chariots of fire routine and tie him up to four horses and then say, you know, mush or whatever. That's what I would have done, but that's just me though. I took that idea straight out of the third Mummy movie. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, it's weird. The uh, the sequence of him killing the guards is kind of odd because it's like some of the stuff I get, I can see how he'd kill them, but some of the some of the stuff he's doing to them, I don't see how they died. It, it, it's not. It, it's just kind of all. It's kind of like really fast and just just all over the place with that sequence. I think think that sequence could done. A little bit, uh, a little bit better there. Uh, it is pretty cool. He throws the spear at Doctor Wimmer, who's played by Cronenberg, who actually is the reason he's in the movie is because he said he'd be in the movie if he could be killed off, uh, if he could be killed on screen, and so the, that's why he, he did that. But uh, you know, Jason ends up breaking free, killing the, all the guards, and eventually breaks down the door, and Rowan sees the. Him coming, uh, he he finds Doctor Rowan, or uh, he, he finds Rowan, and uh, th- they end up getting in a chase sequence, and she ends up luring him into a cryogenic uh, pod, and when she gets in there, he uh, she gets him in there, and she ends up activating it and, and shutting him in it, and then this is this part is really weird because it's like, what the hell is this cryogenic pod made out of? He ends up stabbing her. He put he put he puts his machete through the pot and, and and stabs her in the abdomen and stuff and because of him uh, because of him you know his machete going through the pod uh, a uh, a mechanism starts activating in the room that ends up uh, sealing the room off and ends up cryogenically freezing both of them in the room uh, like how the hell did his machete go through that pod? Like I know his machete isn't made of that strong of material, and that was like a pretty, pretty uh, sturdy door. Well, you know, I just have to say, you know, federal budget cuts. They probably had to switch to recycled aluminum cans to build their cryogenically pods in the year 2010. And, uh, you know, a metal machete beats aluminum. But for me, the other interesting thing is the fact is, Okay, the cryogenic pod looks state-of-the-art, where the Camp Crystal Lake research facility looks like an old, broken-down, like, refinery or, you know, 
ice warehouse. So how is this, uh, you know, cryogenically pod hooked up to this room where there is a breach and it seals off the room? And the room is just the door. Like, if anything, like, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't it send an alarm, like, escape this room immediately before you accidentally die? Yeah, it was, uh, it, it, it was an odd, odd sequence. Uh, you, you would think they'd have a better way of, you know, maybe stopping it before it stills off the room in case somebody accidentally triggered it, but... I don't know. I guess it was one way of, you know, finding a way to jump forward 455 years later into the future. It's just a very, I don't want to say weird. It's a very, um, for lack of a better term, it's just a very lazy way to just like, all right, let's just progress the story on to where we need to get to. So we'll just, you know, create plot holes and and move on to the year 24 see i can't even say it right 2455 yeah uh yeah so after as jerry was saying after they get sealed off into the room and frozen uh it's 445 years later and uh earth has apparently been too polluted to support life and humans have moved to a new planet called earth 2 and the, Which, for the record, may actually happen at the rate we're going. That's very, that's very Which, true. So I'm going to try to see if I can reserve my place in Earth 2 for the year 2455 <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, I think they're taking deposits right now. <laughs> oh, it, it, this is cool. Like, uh, Professor Brandon Lowe, he's on a field trip to Earth with his with his class. This is this is cool. Like, this is what they do. This is what they're gonna do in the future. Take field trips to other planets. Sign me up. Uh, and uh, he's he's on a field trip with his class, and the, you know his class consists of uh, a, a couple students. There's an android companion called KM14, an intern and Tame Adrian. And students, uh, I can't never say the guy's name right. Tasuna Aaron or Tasuna Aaron, or it's some weird name like that. And then there's Janessa, Azrael, Kenzo, Waylander, and Stony. And they're going to explore the abandoned Crystal Lake Research Facility. And when they get in there, they end up finding uh, Jason frozen in the cryogenic uh, pod, and later, and after the little bit, they end up moving some stuff around, and they find Rowan's uh, frozen body under under some stuff as well. And uh, I love this because it's like Jason ends up getting uh, the, the they unlock Jason's pod, and then they're just kind of screwing around, and he ends up falling. And when he falls, he ends up slicing off. Uh, he ends up slicing off Azrael's uh, Azrael's arm, <laughs> and it, it, it's so crazy when you see this because you you expect them to be like more concerned, but they're really not concerned at all because they have like their technology is so far advanced that this is absolutely nothing. They can just pick his arm up and put it back on when they get back to the ship. And KM fourteen does some kind of some kind of really weird thing on that ends up like stopping the bleeding almost immediately. And sealing up his arm and everything, which was really neat. 
Yeah, it looked like it was like some form of an anti, or excuse me, um, some sort of like coagulant to you know to seal off the, you know, basically for him to bleed out and some sort of disinfectant. And I'll say this though, um, as somebody who works with college kids and I love my students, man, there's times where let's put it this way, I'm fearful of taking them to a baseball game. Let alone say let's take them to a deserted planet that's overpolluted. The second thing is I freak out when one of my kids got stung by a bee. I couldn't imagine what would happen if a kid lost a limb. Yeah, I would <laughs> I would definitely be freaking out, but I guess if you're in the future and you have the technology that it's just not that big of a deal. It's just, you know, it's, it's something you can easily just walk past. Uh, so they end up, you know, finding Jason and Rowan and all that stuff, and they end up bringing them back to their spaceship called the Grindel because they they think that they can reanimate uh, uh, uh they, they can reanimate uh, Rowan to bring her back to life and uh th- they end up bringing them onto the ship uh you know Azrael gets his arm put back through nano uh, nano machines and uh they revive Rowan while they leave Jason in the morgue believing him to be dead And, and can you imagine being Rowan in this scene? Like, <laughs> she like wakes up, and, and she immediately asks if they've taken care of Jason because she's you know that's all that's the last thing she remembers. And then she has to find out that she's been woken, you know, four hundred and forty five years later. You know, the other day I fell asleep, like Sunday, like at two in the afternoon. I woke up at five, freaking out, like thinking I like missed work or something. So, you know. So to extrapolate that and be like, me to fall asleep and wake up 500 years in the future, I would even know. I'd be like, how are the Dodgers doing right now? And, you know, find out there's no such thing as Dodgers or any sports because we all live in a futuristic world where nobody plays sports anymore. We have to move to another planet. Um, you know, you hear about, you know, things like that of where people on a, I would say like on a smaller time frame, but people who, you know, wake up from comas and, you know, they've been in coma for a long period of time and, and how, you know, how much things change and they try to adapt to their new situation is, you know, very difficult because the world that they left isn't the world they woke up to. Now, change that to 400 years into the future. That's very, be very different. Yeah, this would this would be a fair a very scary situation to wake up and be that long into the future, knowing that you know your friends and family and everybody you've ever known is is long gone, and you're pretty much alone in the future by yourself. So, uh, uh, after Rowan gets revived and they leave Jason in the morgue, Adrian is ordered to dissect Jason's body, but Rowan of course, warns them of the danger, revealing that, you know, revealing Jason's nature and all of his superhuman abilities and everything. Professor Lowe, he's he's in some kind of, like, serious debt. He ends up calling his financial backer, uh, Perez, on a nearby space station called Hilaris. Perez recognizes Jason's name, and he notes that his body could interest a collector. And, uh, I-, I love this next scene because of the way it's shot. So Stoney and Kenza 
they end up, uh, the, they're in the more with Adrian and they're goofing off. And so Adrian tells them just to, just to get out of here if, if they're not going to take it seriously. And so they, of course, run off and they end up having sex. And the way this, this whole scene is cut, it's great because it's like while they're having sex, Jason can be seen like slowly awakening and stuff. And it's almost as if them having sex is like he's suddenly awakening up. It's like, oh, how how dare there be teenagers around here having premarital sex? Broke, broke the golden rule as we established, uh, you know, and uh, established in Scream 1 by Randy. Exactly. And Jason wakens up. And it, this is, you know, like I said, you hear this kill talked about often, and it's arguably one of the best kills in the franchise to a lot of people. Uh, Jason awakens, he, attack, he attacks uh, Adrian, and he ends up grabbing her, her head and put sticking her face down in liquid nitrogen, and then he pulls it out and smashes her head into pieces on a counter. This, this kill is so famous that the show Mythbusters actually did an episode on it and actually proved that this actually couldn't work the way it it was portrayed in the movie and, it, and everything. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you I, I hope to never see this happen on an actual person, but I have seen, you know, Somebody use liquid nitrogen and smash bananas and jello. And, you know, I would think it potentially would work, but, um, you know, obviously a banana, a jello, an apple, an orange is a lot different than the human body. But um, it definitely would. I'm, my assumption would be at, at the very least it would still cause death. Yeah, I would think that just the liquid nitrogen alone would cause death. <laughs> Oh, uh, but but yeah, then this 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 kill is so good. Like, easily probably the best kill, easily the easily the best kill in this movie for sure. And I'd say easily top five kills in the entire franchise. It's just a very, I mean, it's a very gruesome way to go out, especially the whole way it was done. Um, and so. It it just it shows Jason doesn't fuck around. <laughs> exactly. And it, it just as a normal Jason routine, after he ends up smashing her head in, uh, he he looks around the, the room and he's looking at uh, weapons and he finds a surgical tool that is just miraculously shaped like a machete. <laughs> you know, I I have uh, family work in the medical field. I'm definitely, I definitely need to show them and ask them, uh, is there such a surgical tool that looks like a machete? Right, because I, I don't know what kind of surgical tool. Why I, you? Would I do, do know, I do know <laughs> that there's saws. I do know there's, you know, you know, scalpels. Um, but I, I, there is a surgical saw. I believe that's used for amputation purposes. But I, I've never heard or seen a. Um, a machete-like um, surgical tool. In fact, I, you know, there's something similar to this in the Halloween Six, uh, the Curse of Michael Myers, where he picks up a tool that's not as big as this, but it's you know, it's a very long sort of machete-like um, tool. So, very interesting how 
the prop department comes up with that as a medical instrument. Oh, yeah. Uh, so after he grabs the machete, uh, I'm just going to say machete. After he grabs the machete tool, uh, he ends up running off or walking off to go look for, for people, of course. And he, he ends up, uh, after uh, Stoney and Kenza uh, finish having sex, Stoney opens uh, the door and there's Jason. And he immediately stabs him with the machete. And I, I love this, too, because right when he stabs him, blood squirts. And it, uh, it, it, it shoots Kenza in the face. And what's great is that her reaction is, is legitimate because apparently the blood wasn't supposed to hit her in the face like that. And so they just took the shot of what happened after it hit her in the face and her reaction because that wasn't supposed to happen. Some, some of the best parts of Hollywood is um, unexpected moments that turn out to be great. And um, those, those type of candid, you know, shots can add to a film. So the fact is that they, if this wasn't planned or she wasn't expecting it and they, you know, were rolling on it and caught her candid reaction makes it seem real. You know that that's a just a little added element to the film that brings you know that sort of realness because that is uh, I don't know I think I've t- told the story but let um, everybody knows from our when we cover Text Chainsaw Massacre that I've harvested my share of animals um, growing up uh, yes part of the culture I grew up with and I've had a situation where fortunately I was splattered in the face by by animal blood. And it's a very similar reaction to what she had. I, I didn't scream out and cry because it was, you know, a person. But I did, like, I had that type of reaction where, like, I, um, you know, closed my eyes and, like, you know, shot back. And because it's, it sucks. Like, I can't explain it. Like, getting, you know, a face full of warm blood into, you know, is, is a very uh, weird and... Uh, horrible feeling. Oh yeah. Uh, so I, so, uh, go ahead. No, I say so. Like I, I, so her reaction is is very real because I've had that similar reaction before, and and mine was actually worse than what she went through <laughs> uh, because it was my entire face where hers was like about like a third of her face. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I love when 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 movies do shit like that when they leave the general the actual accurate uh reaction of 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 a, an actor or actress not realizing what was actually going to happen oh uh, and kenza actually gets lucky because when jason stabs stoney he ends up dragging him out and it allows kenza to run out and escape and she ends up running into the rest of the, uh, the people and she tells them, you know, what happened and stuff. And so Sergeant, uh, Sergeant Brodsky, who is a legitimate badass, Brodsky is like one of the most badass characters in this film. Uh, he leads a group of soldiers to attack Jason. Uh, and, uh, it's funny that I love this next scene. Jason, uh, ends up interrupting a holographic game that is going on. Uh, the, uh, at, Azrael and Dallas are playing this 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 hologram game, and there's this alien about to attack their characters, and then Jason comes out of nowhere and slices the alien in half, and then you hear 
you know, Dallas say, I, I thought you said this was an alien game, and Azrael says it is. And so the, they're trying to pause the, the game, but it won't pause because, you know, it's Jason just walking around there. You know, Jason ends up killing their hologram characters, and Dallas ends up saying, all right, well, in this game, and then they, the, it, it, it goes out and stuff, and uh, then you see Jason actually in the room with them. He ends up picking up Azrael and just breaking his back and kill him in fucking WWE style. And uh, he ends up bashing Dallas's skull against the wall and, and killing him. Uh, I will say this is like, it's a, it's like I like how the scene was, but I will say this is like one of my gripes about the movie. The CGI in this movie is fucking terrible. Like I've seen '80s movies that holds up better than this shit. Yeah, you know, um, CGI is a very you know we talked about this before where um, I can't think of the word, but like uh, if you help me out the. Um, like with Tom, Tom Savini, you know, the horror guru, prop master, uh, his more natural effects, it, it holds up over time. But when people do sh- very shitty CGI, um, it's just like, it doesn't look good in that time frame, let alone, you know, fast track 20 years into the future. And um, like, on a similar note, I was watch, you know, watching the second Mortal Kombat movie, you know, gearing up for this week's release. And there's a scene where they have CGI with when Shao Kahn and Liu Kang turn into dragons. And it looked like the worst special, like 1960s, like movies look like they have better special effects than that shit. And that's when you have horrible CGI. You're just better off not doing that. Like, if it looks that bad, just cut it from your script. Yeah, I agree. I think they should have done something different with this than the CGI because it just got it. There's some bad CGI in this movie. Uh, what's that? Ter- what's that term, uh, Kyle? Because it skipped my mind. Like the like the Tom Savini top, uh, you know, type special effects. Um, of uh, practical effects. Yes, thank you. Like those are ones when you look, especially slasher films. That's what should be used if you're not going to pay the money for a good CGI. Yes, that's what they should have used, but they unfortunately didn't. But uh, after he kills Azrael in Dallas, uh, he tries to attack Crutch, who is uh, the, the pilot, but ends up uh, Brod- uh, 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 Brodsky and his soldiers end up arriving and stopping him from attacking him. And they end up running off, and Brodsky splits up his team. But unfortunately, Jason ends up killing them all one by one by one. And you know, uh, some of these kills are pretty cool. It's like he goes all stealth in one in one kill, and ends up like dragging this one dude off into the corner and just snapping his neck all stealth like. Uh, this one dude gets thrown off, and he falls in like a. It looks like a giant drill bit, and it just kind of spirals down, which is a really neat kill. And the and uh, there's just some pretty cool uh, kills in this sequences. How do you think about the kills? Uh, whenever he's killing the team, Jr. I mean, the as I mentioned earlier, with like the effects, sometimes it's better to go practical. So when he's, you know, that one the 
you know, slicing somebody's throat. Um, it's just it's better because you don't have to worry about it looking fake. My favorite part, though, um, which you find out later is in the depth, is when he he uh, he grabs Sergeant Broski from behind and he stabs him and he's going to be like, it's going to take a lot more than that to put me down. And then he stabs him again. And he's like, yep, that ought to do it. Yep. I thought that, that ought to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was amazing. Oh yeah. 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 That's great. But that's just one of the reasons why Sergeant Brodsky is such a badass in this film. Uh, after this happens, uh, professor Lowe ends up ordering the pilot Lou to attack, to, to dock at Solaris and but Jason ends up uh, killing Lou, and the ship actually crashes through Solaris, which is like this city, uh, this like city thing, and ends up blowing up the entire thing. Like everybody there is dead. And from what I've read, apparently there was like uh, an estimated twenty thousand people there. <laughs> so Jason's body count just went through the fucking roof. I don't think anybody is going to get uh, is going to be able to catch up to Jason now. But with that said, um, the area Solaris reminded me of a planet spaceball. Uh, yeah, yep, that's <laughs> yep. I didn't even catch that till you called till you said it. Um, it just reminded me of of that. I don't know if it was Planet Spaceball or if it was a Spaceball ship, but it had it, it reminded me of that for some unknown reason. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's great. Uh, after Jason blows up Solaris and you know kills twenty thousand people, uh, Jason ends up breaking into the the lab, and he he gets his machete back. And it's great because Professor Lowe is trying to tell everybody that everything's okay. Jason just wanted his machete back. And lo and behold, that's not what what he actually wanted. <laughs> yeah, Jason ends up uh, killing Lowe. He, he decapitates him. You don't see him decapitate him, but you see him carrying his head later on in the movie. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I was happy to see Professor Lowe finally get it because I, I did not like him at all. Okay, that professor, uh, played by Jonathan Potts, I believe his name is, I seen him, I remember him from one other movie, which was a direct to, I believe it was a direct to uh, home video release, which was a prequel to the movie Cruel Intentions. And I don't, I hate saying this because it sounds bad, but it's true. I don't know what it is about him. But it's like he's born to play a very uh, filthy, um, disgusting, like, uh, I can't think of the word, um, but basically, like, he's the type, like, he reminds, like, he would be, like, John Wayne Gacy, or, like, he's a, like a, you know, he's a, a predator. Like, he's, like, a sexual predator. Um, Jeffrey Dahmer. Like, he's, like... He's just... Ha- there's something about him, like... He just is always going to be cast into a very sleazy role. Because, similar to Jason X, he did the same thing where he was having a relationship with one of the students in that movie, Crow Attentions 2, that I saw him in the year prior to Jason X. And it's just, like... Uh, 
that's not, in my opinion, a good role to have in Hollywood. Is like, yeah, we need a, a creepy guy. Let's cast that dude. Yeah, that's yeah. It, it was really weird, and I'm glad you made it. Boy, I think we we forgot about uh, mentioning that. Uh, just to, uh, in case you haven't watched the movie, I hope you anyone listen has seen this before. In an earlier scene, Professor Lowe is uh, getting one of his students to uh, twist his nipples with like a clamp <laughs> uh, in order for her to pass the class, which was really fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just as somebody works in education, I. You know, I know it's Hollywood, but man, I find those type of roles very disturbing because when you're in a position of power, authority, in a position of a mentorship, um, like I said, I know I'm taking it, I'm probably taking it too serious, but man, those those type of roles just they really rub me the wrong way. I'm like, yeah, I'm glad Jason killed you. Oh yeah, and uh, so, so you know, since Jason crashed, uh, actually crashed the ship into the Solaris. The, the ship that they're on, Grindle, it's actually, like, really bad, in bad shape now. And so the rest of the people left uh, end up heading for a shuttle while, uh, I can never say his name correctly, Tessarian, I think? Tessarian upgrades KM-14. And after Jason kills, he goes back and he ends up killing... Crutch, who he tried to kill earlier, but was uh, stopped by by Sergeant Brodsky and his team. He he kills, he electrocutes Crutch, Crutch to death, uh, and uh, Kenza ends up panicking, and she tries to escape on her own, but she forgets to release the shuttle's fuel line in the, in the escape shuttle, and she ends up crashing into the ship and exploding. Unfortunately, uh. Tessarian ends up reappearing later on, and he has an upgraded KM-14 with him, who who she now who the android now has all kinds of weapons and combat skills, and she's just ready to kick Jason's ass, and she absolutely does. Uh, she blows his right arm, left leg, right ribs, and part of his head completely off. Uh, after this, Jason seemingly dies, but his body is knocked into a nanite equipped a medical station the the sir the rest of the people left they send a distress call and then set explosive charges to separate the ship's undamaged pontoon from the main section but like i said jason was knocked to a nano a, a nano equipped medical station where nanobots apparent uh end up rebuilding jason and since he didn't have like since he was missing some some stuff, uh, some parts of his body, they end up reforming him with nanobots, and he becomes what we know as Uber Jason. And what's interesting, I don't know if you know this or not, uh, if you caught on to this or not, JR, as Uber Jason, he doesn't kill anyone in this film. Like, he, uh, everybody who dies kind of dies by their own, their own means. He doesn't literally kill. He doesn't actually kill anybody by himself as Uber Jason. I did not catch on to that, and um, but you are right. There's it, everybody who does die after Uber Jason's uh, 
creation is a like a situation circumstantial type um environment that causes their death yeah uh and this and this is what's one of my main gripes one of my big gripes about the movie we're you know jason's now become an uber jason but we literally only had like four to five minutes left of the movie so, so like most of the movie he hadn't even been uber jason you would think they would have done this earlier in the film and he would have been uber jason throughout most of this film as it is shown on the box art and what it was portrayed as but nope he is like really we literally have like five minutes left in the movie if that and uber jason's just now popping up so uber jason comes back he he's look he looks badass i i i i love the, the look of uber jason the only thing i don't like is i don't like the whole black suit under the the like armor thing he has uh i don't really care for the black suit uh stuff but other than that i think he looks pretty cool uh he and uh uber jason comes to life and then of course km14 tries fighting him and he ends up just punching her head off but you know she's an android so so technically she's not dead she can still function it's just a head and tessarian recovers her head and they run off and jason is stopped by waylander who ends up sacrificing himself by setting off charges while the others uh, escape jason survives though and he ends up punching a hole through the hole which causes janessa to be sucked through and die in the vacuum see once again jason didn't kill her he punched a hole in the wall and then she was sucked through I mean, technically, I guess he killed her, but he didn't really kill her by his own hands. Uh, a power failure in the uh, dock, in the docking door, ends up forcing Broski uh, to end up going outside in an, in an EVA suit in order to fix it. And uh, while this is going on to distract Jason while he's fixing that, that uh, the rest of the survivors end up creating a holographic simulation and I, I love this part of, of Crystal Lake and they create these they have these two virtual teenage girls and they're telling Jason hey come on well, well, let's go get drunk and smoke weed and, and have premarital sex and uh, Jason ends up uh, putting them up in their zipping in their uh, zipping them up in their sleeping bags and you know in in paying paying an homage to the famous kill from from my favorite film the franchise Friday 13th part 7 a new blood he ends up beating them to death uh, on each other with their sleeping bags and then bashing them up against the tree yeah and that's the one where everybody essentially i think is pretty unanimous that that's everybody's favorite kill in the entire franchise going back to you know the original sleeping bag death and so i thought that was a pretty cool you know that they paid homage to that and I love uh, I love they did that, and I also love the whole them just getting these girls saying, "Hey, let's have premarital sex." It's like, like I said, like this is another, uh, it's another like this shows this movie, you know, knows what it is and doesn't try and stray away from it. It knows it's a just a campy horror horror film, and it's not going to try and be anything other than that. Oh, uh, Jason ends up realizing. Uh, that they've deceived him with the hologram uh, just as the door is fixed and still in his EVA suit 
Brodsky, Sergeant Brodsky, the fucking badass uh, he is, he ends up confronting Jason and just runs at him. <laughs> and and uh, so the rest of the team can escape. And as they leave, the, the pontoon that they're on ends up exploding. And it ends up propelling Jason at, uh, at, uh, at the rest of the survivors as they're trying to escape. And right before he gets to him, Brodsky comes out of nowhere and intercepts him mid-space flight and maneuvers them both toward Earth 2. And they end up incinerating on the atmospheric uh, entry into Earth 2. And so that leaves Tessarian, Rowan, and KM-14 as just ahead. Uh as the three remaining survivors of the film. And as the film ends, uh, we see it's, it's Earth 2 and a pair of teenagers are by the lake and they see what they think is a, fu- uh, a shooting star, but it's actually Jason falling through, uh, falling down to Earth and uh, they go to investigate and all we see is the, the charred remains of Jason's mass sinking to the bottom of the lake as we end the film. Man, and that just Sergeant Broski's one of those guys that you wish that didn't that didn't die and you wish that he would um carry on. But I personally the way that the movie ended, I'm like I personally didn't like it because I'm always of the mindset it's like I need a logical conclusion, I need a logical ending, and it's like Jason the way I view it is that he probably survived and he's here on Earth on the new Earth too and needs to by some sort of ending. Yeah, from from what I perceive, from what I've read online and 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 listened to in interviews, there was they left it open for a sequel to happen, but then Freddy versus Jason happened, and so they just and because this one wasn't much of a success, they didn't end up going and doing the sequel. I think it, I don't. I think I I would like to see a sequel, but with uber jason in the film throughout all the film not only the last four minutes yeah and the the thing with uber jason is i kind of i kind of understand why you know he's not in the whole film because technically he is unstoppable i mean essentially he became a shooting star and one could be left up to the perception that he's still alive and there was no way he was going to be stopped. So if you left Uber Jason the way he was, um, he probably was going to be killed, which means that nobody was going to survive his tell, especially after um, the upgraded KM-14 couldn't, you know, her bullets didn't penetrate him. Because it seemed like essentially when the nanonites, you know, rebuilt his body, they made him bulletproof. Yeah, his uh, yeah his the, the, those nanobots like caused him to be like bulletproof and stuff. Like they they he really got and uh, like the, the the tagline for this movie is "Evil gets an upgrade." And he really got quite the upgrade. I just I hate that it's the last bit of the movie. Like why couldn't they do this earlier? Yeah, and I think when if you go back and watch it, there's they say there's not enough tissue. So looking for some synthetic material. So when you we talked about like, you know, the black black suit and as well as metal, is I think they, you know, found whatever was, you know, they created a synthetic material to create essentially his new body. Because when you see what KM did to him, I mean, she basically destroyed him in 
half. I mean, half of his body was gone. I mean, she shot out his leg, shot off half his torso, and took out his entire face. Um, with the, you know, well, about 66% of his face. So, um, like I said, as we mentioned, though, it, it is kind of a fun movie to watch because it's extremely cheesy. But it was um, it's a very interesting take. I will say, though, um, no, even though it's cheesy, man, I, I kind of want to see more slashers in space. I want to see, let's see uh, Freddy Krueger in space. Let's see Michael Myers in space. Halloween in space. <laughs> Michael Myers in space. That would, whew, that would be odd. It, you know, it, it's weird because it's like the thing is, is like out of all the slashers, Jason's the one that makes the most sense that could work in space. I don't, I don't. Maybe Freddy. I mean, Freddy technically, yeah, but I just don't see how like other ones like Michael and them could could do in space. Halloween on Mars, Nightmare on the ISS, International Space Station. I see it now. Book in Hollywood. <laughs> oh, I mean, we've had Leprechaun in space. We've had you know Hellraiser in space. Now we have Jason in space. I mean, hell, might as well let's just see what happens. You never know; it can be something fun. <laughs> uh, but let's get in some uh, closing thoughts and reviews. Uh, I'll, I'll let you go. You know, I, I'll summarize it because we mentioned it. It is a very, you know, uh, for the most part, like 90% of it is horrible acting. You know, there are, I do like character Rowan and Sergeant Broski. Um, it is, to, and Jason, you know, the fact is they do take on new elements, which I think is a redeeming quality. Um, there is, this is by far not a great film, but it's something that if it's on and you're, you know, it's like, hey, you know, you want to see something that's like fun and silly, you know, put it on. Um, I don't think you'll be bored. You'll definitely laugh your way more than being uh, frightened or scared of any kind. With that said, um, I would, if we're, I want to use uh, Nano Knights as our rating scale, I'd probably give it one and a half Nano Knights because. Um, one for Jason, half a one for Sergeant Broski and Rowan. But man, this thing needs way better acting, way better writing. Of uh, you know, need to shore up those those plot holes. But you know, as, as you mentioned earlier, this was essentially made because of the development hell of Freddy versus Jason. And you know, one is left to be believed that this was essentially made because it was seven years after Jason goes to hell. And as somebody who was, who is a Halloween fan, you know, that's a long time to wait for a film. Like I remember, you know, from Hall Rob Zombie's Halloween two to the 2018, it was about a decade. I mean, that's a long time to wait. Like people want with these cult classic slashers of Freddie, Jason, um, Michael, Chucky, like that, audience wants it and wants it on a like a very steady diet and so you know it had to be they had to release something and so um like i said i, I give it a one and a half now nights out of five wow one and a half man 
you be a lot, a lot. You're a lot harsher, harsher than I am. It's just that acting, man. It's just yeah. the acting and the, the writing is just like yeah, yeah. I feel you. The the, the acting is very, very bad. It's the dialogue in this is pretty, pretty terrible. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this film. Uh, like I said, I, I enjoy it that it's that it knows what it is and it doesn't try and be anything other than that. And it's just a fun film that I can put on and, and enjoy. Uh, it's, it's not, it's like I said, like Jared said, and we've said before, it's by no means a good film. It's just pretty, pretty terrible, but uh, it, it's not my least favorite in the franchise by any means. And it's, it's pretty enjoyable to me. I, I'm going to give it I'm going to give it three nanobots out of five. And, you know, like I said, I, I have my grabs with it. Like, I wish Uber Jason was in more of the film, not just the last four to five minutes of it. And I wish the acting was better and just stuff like that. But overall, I, I, I have fun with this film. It's it, 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 At least it's not Jason Goes to Hell. That's that's what I'll say about that. <laughs> you know what? Um, I'm gonna change mine to two Nattle Knights because uh, Jason Goes to Hell would probably be one. I would probably and, give uh, it a half. <laughs> and so I gotta give it a little bit. I have to give it like at least double the rate that I would give that one. So I'll give it two. Um, and with that being said, is I'm saying it because while it is has bad acting and bad writing. It is still, you know, somewhat enjoyable. I have seen far worse films that, in my opinion, I think that people think are better than what they're rated at. And I don't want to say which because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but um, for being a film that I'm sure the producers probably knew that it was going to be a shitty film or, you know, something that wasn't going to win an Academy Award or be up for any sort of award, it was just something to release out there for the cult fan base. Um, I have seen worse films where people have taken it extremely serious, and I was like, I wouldn't watch that uh, anytime, you know, after the first time. So this one, I, I feel like I've seen this at least probably, you know, a dozen times in the last, you know, 20 years. So like I said, if it's something that I see it on TV or it's like if I'm on Netflix and I see it, I would definitely, you know, pull it up because I would just, you know, laugh my way through it. And there are some, like I said, I do enjoy, you know, three of the characters. And um, like I said, I... You know, I do credit them for at least uh, taking that leap of saying, let's go to space. Yep. Yeah. I, I applaud them for, for taking the risk on this one. Uh, if, if there's anyone listening who hasn't seen it, I don't know why you'd be listening if you haven't seen it yet, but it, it, just in case, if you haven't seen this movie, check it out. It, it's currently available on Netflix. You can stream it on Netflix. So, you know, it, it's not long. Take time out and check it out. Uh, but yeah, uh, we hope you have enjoyed this episode. Uh, we had, we had a great time talking about it. Uh, I'm glad this is actually JR's idea to do, do, do Jason X this month. And I, I, was, I was pretty excited about it. Uh, I, th- I, I think you said it's, uh, it's coming up on an anniversary soon, right? That's why you picked it. Uh, it's like, 
in November, it'd be 20 years that it was released in Spain. Currently, it's it's been 19 years since it was released in the United States because uh, it, it was released in April 2002. Uh, as we know, we know this month was sequels, um, and I just thought, you know, we had to discuss uh, Tremors 2 and Jason X, and it's one of, I, for me, I think those two, the ones I chose are a little bit more of the on the slapstick end of the horror genre as far as sequels that you know be something definitely fun to watch and mix it up because there are a lot of in my opinion a lot of good sequels out there in the horror genre that should be taken serious and do have a lot of you know gore or a lot of um you know good scares uh the two that i picked for this month i i by no means Fit that criteria it was more of like hey let's kind of get into the uh the kind of the comedic sequels to some of these franchises um and the more i think about it i'm like you know what i, I kind of i was overly critical but at least jason x was a lot better than leprechaun in space <laughs> oh god because that man they went way off the deep end with that one yeah i mean yeah but I'll that, also... one, that one would be for like Probably in three years we'll cover that one. <laughs> but I'll also say, with that one, with that being said, though, I'll say at least uh, at least Leprechaun in Space isn't isn't Hellraiser Bloodlines, the Hellraiser movie in space. That movie is a fucking abomination. <laughs> yeah, one of these one of these days, one of these months, we're gonna begin the Hellraiser franchise, and I mean, we talk about going to the the deep, you know, the deep end, but man, dude. Uh, yeah, that's that's a topic for another yeah, time. Yeah, Hell, Hellraiser is it's a fun fun series, but man, there are some horrible entries in that franchise. Yeah, as there is one Hellraiser one Hellraiser film. I think it was Bloodlines. Is that the one that's not with the original Hellraiser? Uh, I believe so. Which they released just so the fact is that Dimension Films would not lose the rights to the distribution. I believe. And they ended up losing the rights anyways a couple years later because they didn't make another film. Um, Hollywood contracts, if you will. But yeah, there's... Wow. But yeah, that'll be a fun thing for another time. Uh, before, we, before we end this, we just want to uh, give our usual shout-out to uh, the Slash the Cast Podcast Network. We, we love being a part of the network. Uh Love all the shows on the network. Uh, there's over thirty. Uh, there, there's just a little bit of something for everybody. Uh, highly encourage everybody listening to check out check out the entire network, all the shows we have to offer. Some some wonderful people love everybody uh, on the network. Uh, of course, our our wonderful producer Carmen Childers of CarmenChildersAVTech.com. Does a wonderful job every week making us sound good, and we we love them and appreciate them. Uh, and I also want to give an honorary shout out to uh, Andy from Dead in Santa Carla. Here recently, Carmen has uh, unfortunately been uh, real busy at work uh, with 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 his uh, other job and uh, in the wrestling uh, industry. I'm very proud of him. So he hasn't had time to kind of do uh, do much uh, do much editing on the show and things. So Andy from dead in Santa Carla has actually been editing our show the, the past, uh, the, the past two times. Uh, and while we edit this one as well. And we just want to say thank you to Andy for t- 
taking your time out doing that for us and you're doing a great job and I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely second that because um, especially, you know, with our good friend Carmen who's carried up in the wrestling industry and as well as Andy doing what they do with editing um, is something that I always say I can never do. Their minds are a lot brighter than mine and they make me sound better than I am. So I credit them a lot. And so thank you to our partners. Um, you know, Carmen, as always, and Andy for helping out and um, being a part of Slashing Cast because, as I've always mentioned, um, they are the major leaguers and they're letting the little leaguer play up in the big leagues with them. <laughs> well said, brother. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Sh- let's see here. I'm not sure exactly what next week's episode will be. Uh, there's a couple ideas. We'll tell. He'll kind of, uh, we'll, we'll just play it by ear and just pay attention to our Twitter and we'll, we'll, we'll announce what it is, uh, uh, what it is, uh, here, here coming up soon. And, uh, but, uh, we'll say, uh, we hope you've all have enjoyed this episode and, uh, thank you all so much for your support and thank you for anybody who's listened to us from the beginning. We, we appreciate it and we appreciate your support and everything and we hope that you'll continue to to uh, listen to us and continue to support us. Uh, any closing closing thing you, you want to get out, JR, before we end it? Uh, two things. One, um, just continue to still, you know, do what you need to do, do your part. As we always say, um, even as state, states are going to be opened up very soon, um, as I mentioned, you know, a lot of the Western states and a lot of other places are opening up and some are open up, but I fully expect by midsummer, everything will be opened up to maximum you know, and so continue to practice social distancing, um, you voluntarily wear your masks, you know, if you take care of yourself. Uh, one of the things I've done is even with being fully vaccinated every day, I take multivitamins, I take zinc, I take uh, vitamin D, vitamin B12, vitamin C, um, to keep up, you know, my immune system to the, you know, fighting anything in general, um, even just as a common cold or common flu. And so, stay healthy and the second thing i would say is this week in theaters for those that are open and i think my theaters are finally opening as well as hbo max is the release of mortal kombat and after watching some of the behind the scenes stuff on it from the from the actors and uh, producers and directors i'm really excited to see it so um mortal kombat coming out to hbo max as well as uh, your local theaters for those who theaters are opening up um if my theater is opening up, I'm pretty sure everybody else's theater is open up by now. So I uh, look forward to that this week. I'm really excited about Mortal Kombat. Oh, yes. could. Uh, oh, oh, yes. Make sure you go out and check out Mortal Kombat. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to watching it. I had not decided if I'm going to watch it in theaters yet with my friends or if we're going to watch it on HBO Max. But uh, we're definitely going to watch it. Uh, anybody listening, also make sure you check out Mortal Kombat either – at your local theater, if you feel safe, or on HBO Max, uh, it, 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 if you're a fan of it, it, it looks like a it looks, it looks like it's going to be a great film, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. And uh, uh, to add to what Jr. said, you know, like Jr. was saying, uh, uh, make sure you take your uh, make sure you take your vitamins, you know, and uh, be healthy and everything. Uh, also, make sure to drink plenty of water and, and stay hydrated. I, I, I've been doing better at drinking 
had, uh, trying to cut out soft drinks and drinking pretty much nothing but water. And it's, it, I'm enjoying it. It's, it, it, it takes a while uh, to get used to, to, to try and, you know, cut out caffeine, but, but it's a slow process, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully being off of soft drinks and only drinking water you know, for the foreseeable future. But, uh, yeah, we hope everybody has enjoyed that episode. Uh, continue to stay safe out there. And uh, we look forward to having you back uh, on the next one. With that being said, it is time to bid you adieu. Goodbye. Good night. Stay creepy. Bang.